All right, guys, we got a big one for you today. We've got No Tweet Mandel, Rat Garbage, the infamous Mandel Nalos in studio at the Boom Boom Show. Let's go! All right, Mandel, how's it going, man? I'm doing well. How are you? You're doing well. Good, man. Good. Listen, uh, I was talking to Pascal here at the Boom Boom Show. We're a huge fans. Obviously, a, a teammate of mine. Someone I've looked up to. You're one of the staples at TriStar. When people think of TriStar Gym, they think of Mandel. They think of GSP, obviously. Rory McDonald, Eamon Zahabi, Louie just left the office. Uh, what's Shout out to Louis Sanudakis and all the guys over there. Um, it's crazy because for, as, you know, for the specimen you are and, and the knockout artist you are and the fire that you are, we don't see that much in the media, so I just want to say as a friend, as a training partner, thank you so much for doing this. Uh, we don't get to hear you a lot. Obviously, you're someone that takes the sport extremely seriously, yeah. and you know, you're know you someone that you're not really looking for the spotlight. You're not looking for the limelight. We love your Instagram page. It's super funny. You got the rat garbage page, Ariel Hawani, when you were on there. He talked about how cool it was, and you know, it's just you're such a uh, an interesting character, and we just want to talk to you a little bit and figure out a little bit about how you got started in MMA, mm -hmm. what TriStar is like, and then what's it been like in Bellator. Mm -hmm. So first of all, how you doing? I know it's COVID; it's a tough time. How you doing right now? Yeah, I'm doing good. I'm doing better than a lot of people. So if you can uh, continue to work and uh, you're not living in a tent, <laughs> you can't you can't complain in yeah. these times. And uh, it it's been difficult here because you're uh, you know from Ottawa by way of BC, by way of West Africa, and you've mm -hmm. ended up in Montreal. In Canada right now, when people watch this, if you watch this years down the line, we're going through an extremely excruciating lockdown here where it's difficult to train. Faraz put out some content there where he wasn't happy with something going on at TriStar Gym where mm -hmm. we were being told on a lot. It seems like a lot of people are, are you know, telling on the gyms. And I mean, it's understandable. People are trying to keep people healthy. But at the same time, we were respecting all the social distancing. You were training hard where you could. I saw you training in Toronto with some of your mm -hmm. team back there. Steve Sims, you work a lot with him. Yeah. What have you been doing? I mean, you had a brilliant knockout. We're going to get to that. You had a brilliant fight, your last fight. Congrats. But what have you been doing during COVID to kind of train, stay in shape, and and stay sharp? You, know, you do what everybody else is kind of doing. If you if you really care about things, you'll find a way to get stuff done. Um, you do you try to do it within the rules, obviously. Uh, but you know, at the beginning of this thing, me and Steve were going to the park, and I saw and those. I think yeah, you know, Steve like, put some videos out. You guys must have looked crazy yeah, we were, in the park. We were yeah, nuts. We were yeah. lifting each other up, like working single legs in in a park next to a family having a picnic. You know? <laughs> like, so uh, you just try to get you know really all it is is working technique and you know working cardio. So if you can do that with one friend or with a room full of training partners, it's all the same. Yeah, you're kind of a, I'd almost say a lifelong martial artist. You're a, a real consummate professional. So I don't think, it, you know, if it was time maybe to work on specific things, that's kind of nice too, isn't it? Yeah, to exactly. It, it does kind of like strip back a lot of maybe the clutter that comes with having a full gym of people and having multiple people tell you what to do. And you kind of just strip back to the basics and you focus in with your core team. And mm -hmm. maybe it, it's for a lot of people, I think it's been a good thing. Yeah, I think it, it was good. Eamon talked about Eamon Zahabi was here. He talked about how he really honed in on shadow boxing. That's mm -hmm. something that he could have done alone. It's something that he never worked on yeah, exactly. as much as he should have. And it's something that, so that's good that you were able to do that. And, um, and then, you know, you had a brilliant performance at Bellator, uh, your last fight. So that worked out. Whatever you're doing in the park, whatever you're doing uh, with yeah. Steve Sims, shout out. But man, that worked out well. So let's go back. Let's talk a little bit about your beginning because I like to talk about to guys to introduce how they kind of got into MMA because it's not a normal thing. Yeah. Um, people think now it's more normal than it was. I mean, we're in our 30s, you and I, so welcome to your 30s. I know you're you're younger than me, but man, it's like yeah, when no. we started, it was very underground. Yeah. Um, so how did, how did it all start for you? Where'd you come from and what was your first uh, 
session in a gym like for uh, mixed martial arts or martial arts for that matter? Yeah, so high school, I was probably maybe like grade 10, so like mm-hmm. 15, 16. Uh, I didn't really have a sport. It was between like basketball seasons or whatever. And I, my mother put me into a jiu-jitsu class. Wow. And uh, I was like, ah, oh, this kind of lame, you know, <laughs> like wearing a gi and all this stuff. But luckily for me, the two owners of the gym were really cool guys. Uh, Stefan Roy, who has a gym in uh, out west somewhere called Komodo Academy. And then L.A. Moussi, who's now a, oh, yeah. a, a big... A Hollywood star. Yeah, yeah he was a, the kickboxer. A, exactly, kickboxer. Mm-hmm. And he just did a jiu-jitsu movie. So those are my first two coaches. And L.A., uh, you know, was interested in competitive kickboxing before he got into stunt work. And that's always where I lean towards the competitive side of martial arts. So through, you know, just training with them after a couple weeks of training there, I was pretty much committed. Like I didn't care about high school after <laughs> learning about jujitsu and what the kind of limits were of that. So every night after high school, go to the jujitsu gym, train, and then, you know, BJJ competition started happening in Montreal. I remember, I forget even what gym they were at. Fabio Holanda's gym. I oh, yeah, yeah. Brazilian top to, team. Yeah, and there's all, exactly. I know there was uh, like a submission underground. There was a few tournaments going on. Yeah, at the time. exactly. So mm-hmm. do a couple of those and then just keep competing, keep learning, and that's it. So how did you end up? So this is in Ottawa or this is in BC? That was in Ottawa. Ottawa. So how yeah. did you end up? Uh, that's so interesting that I didn't even know that you started with jiu-jitsu. I would have thought you started with um, some karate because if anybody watched your fights, I mean, uh, you're probably, you've got it all. You're primarily a striker. Obviously, guys end up shooting on you and you take it mm-hmm. to the ground. At what point did you say, okay, TriStar, GSP, uh, uh, Montreal, uh, how does that come into the equation? Yeah, so to me, that just makes <clears throat> sense. Like, why would you be in Canada especially on the East Coast, and not go to, especially back then. George was at the height of his fame. Right. Uh, Loazo was there. Rory was there. You know, there were, there, I mean, I forget how many other people there were, but there was just a ton of great fighters. Yeah, you have Nordine coming in. Yeah, now. was there. Uh, Garcia was there. Alex Mike Garcia. Ritchie was there. Yeah, Mike like, Ritchie, yeah, for sure. You know, yeah, it was just yeah. a room full of killers. So when I turned up... This is like 2012? I don't even remember. Or even 13, maybe? 14? Yeah. I don't I don't really remember the exact date, mm-hmm. but I think I had had one amateur MMA fight. Because I know you had a blemish on your record. I was looking at your regular date. I keep forgetting that you had yeah. a loss to Olivier. Yes, exactly. Who uh, kind of, uh, obviously, he was a phenom coming up. You know, he had a yeah. great career coming so like up. It, and back then, amateur was crazy. Like, the, <laughs> Yeah, what to, was that like? What's to it think like? About, to think <laughs> about the dudes that were fighting in amateur back then, like mm-hmm. Eamon, Louis, me, oh, yeah. Olivier. Olivier, yeah. Like, yeah. You know, th- it must have sucked for the guys that <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> that didn't know. Uh, yeah, like, because Olivier is a world class judoka, and then mm-hmm. he's coming to try and try star right away. And, yeah, you know. exactly. So mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. Like that's just kind of how it worked out. I think the guy who used to put on those shows, hybrid shows, Johan, he knew Faraz, and he was like, "Oh, you know, I hooked you up with a train, a sparring session, right. at TriStar." I remember I was at my friend's cottage, like just you know. Drink, hanging out drinking for the weekend <laughs> and i was like oh my goodness so i got it so we drove down from my friend's cottage to tristar and i got the invite back after that and yeah then, you know it was just like yeah we'd go back and forth until 
the dorms opened up and then I was just in the dorms. Yeah, that's that's uh, super interesting. I mean, the TriStar gym dorms really opened up an avenue for people to stay and train and mm-hmm. it was really that homing that home environment where you can have everything in under one roof, which was nice, you know, your living space and your training space. Um so at what point did you really hone in on that style that you have now, that kind of striking style was it? So now you're talking about, you know, you had an amateur fight, mm-hmm. you know, you you, you compete in jiu-jitsu. At what point were you like, "Hey, I really like this style?" Was it watching other fighters or was it working with for us uh it's happened over time i've always been creative mm-hmm. when it comes to martial arts and uh i've never been like a slave to the tradition of it like technique to me is good obviously you got to learn things correctly but once you've passed that point of learning a fundamentals yeah you, you have to learn it for yourself and then maybe you can break those rules a little bit okay. for yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't think that's something that's necessarily teachable. Like I couldn't transmit my techniques into your mm-hmm. body type and it wouldn't work for you exactly the same. You know what I mean? Like it's something if you are creative and you're not just a by the numbers guy, you can break the rules. And, and so I just learned that early on. Like once I know how to, you know, throw a jab, then you kind of break it down. And you can throw a jab from any angle or you can throw, you know. And it's been, you know, good boxers, good strikers have been doing this for years. Obviously, the most notable MMA guy to do it was Anderson Silva. So exactly. The first yeah. guy I saw mm-hmm. where I was like, oh, there's more. Than there's more than just keeping your hands up and bobbing, weaving in. You can down. have your hands. You can exactly. have your hands down. You could bait guys in. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a lot more to the game of striking than mm-hmm. just you know the fundamentals. But you got to go through all that so that you you know. Yeah, there, there's one thing I love when I watch you spar, and before your last uh, your last fight, your last sparring session, I was in the corner, I was just watching, and just the way you're creative. But I, one thing I always say is, I think you have to have the fundamentals down. I don't think you'd be a champion uh, with having no fundamentals and being over, um, let's call it creative. Yeah. But I mean, I, you can be creative once you have the fundamentals down. Like you have to be able to block a jab first, exactly. to be able to, you know, have that that Philly shell like uh, mm-hmm. Floyd does. You know, he still knows how to defend a shell, a jab. It just, it looks so easy to him because you know he has his defense down so well yeah exactly he's a guy he's another good example of a guy who like he fights that way because it's the best for him Mm -hmm. uh if you if you ask floyd to do any guard in boxing he could do it perfectly right but that's the guard he likes the best and where he finds the most setups and i'm sure floyd has a nasty right hand that he could crush guys with but he thinks that winning a 12 round decision and smoking a guy in a boxing match Mm -hmm. is is a better way for him to win than to just go out there and try to clean people's clocks with right hands, you know, like there's, yeah, you got to figure it out for yourself. Look at Canelo. Like people are saying he's the pound for pound best guy. He has a totally different style. Yeah, He hunts you down. Exactly. He throws Mm -hmm. big power to the body. You know, he moves his head. Yeah. It's interesting you said that because that's something I always wanted to ask you as a training partner, as a friend, someone that I've looked up to in the gym. So you become sort of known for, like, you're really good at picking your shots. I mean, if everybody goes back and watches that last fight where you fought in Bellator, was, uh, what, three weeks ago or something? or Maybe five. Maybe five weeks ago. I mean... I've never seen a fight where somebody couldn't miss. It almost looked like you couldn't miss. It was a brilliant performance and not taking anything away from the other guy. You know, mm-hmm. it was just, it was it was a situation where you had a brilliant performance. So what I want to ask you is when I watch you fight, because again, in the gym, I, I mean, look, I don't want to put anything out there, but it doesn't look like you're out there hurting anybody. Mm-hmm. You Like I always said, I spar with you once. We played around and it's like, Man, I came out of there. I learned so much. Mm-hmm. When I spar with George, we we I spar with George. I was finding a lefty once, and I asked George to come in. We had no lefties in the gym. Mm-hmm. Zach was out. 
And I learned so much. Yeah. And I feel like I cannot get hurt with you. I feel like the best guys you can't get hurt with. It's the same thing like wrestling. You know, someone that could really play with you. Pascal's a, a Taekwondo, our producer. And, you know, he, he, he could just play with you and pick you apart with back kicks, but make it look so effortless. Mm -hmm. So how does that work in a fight? Do you say, okay, look, is there a point where you say, I guess my question is, is there a point where you say, hey, I have this guy, I'm going to knock him out? Are you always looking for it? Or is it just like, hey, I'm going to work my game and if it comes, it comes? Yeah, I think that that's, for me, the way that I fight. Is like, you, know, you just throw stuff out there. Ma mainly the stuff whole out there. Your last fight, you, <laughs> everything you threw out there was landing hard. Yeah, it's gotta be. Yeah. It's gotta be mm -hmm. something that is real. You know, right. you don't want to be throwing bullshit out there. But you gotta, you throw stuff out there, and if it hurts the guy, great. If it doesn't, you're still mm -hmm. just fighting. Like you should never, you know, hope beyond hope that you're gonna crush the guy with this. You <laughs> Every know, shot, <laughs> he's just gonna take you down, or he's, mm -hmm. you know, he's just gonna counter you, like. I think a good example is how George fights normally and then how he fought in the Jake Shields fight where he clearly wanted to knock Jake Shields right, clean right. out. And to me, that's one of George's worst fights. Well, he did get uh, a shot in the eye or something. Yeah, was got, it the eye or the groin, touched, I think? Like, it was too close. It was closer mm -hmm. than any other But George he was fight. injured with something. I, he, I think it was the eye, the eye or the Maybe groin. He poked in the, yeah, he in got poked fight. or something, yeah. yeah. But uh, he, to me, he clearly, and I even remember the training for that. He was, he was really training that right mm -hmm. hand. And uh, he wanted to knock him out. Mm -hmm. but And then you see a fight like George against uh, John Fitch. He's clearly not trying to knock the guy out. He knocked him down twice. And right. John Fitch is right. famously a very tough guy. Mm -hmm. So, like, that's the way I like to fight. I know there are other guys out there who, yeah. you know, Melvin Manhoof, if you ask him to pick his shots, he's not going to do it because what Dutch, works for him is Dutch he just, style yeah, and he just, just wants forward, to yeah. destroy you. So mm -hmm. it, it's all just what you prefer. Mm -hmm. For me, that's what I do. That's interesting. So are, are you conscious of like the takedown and other aspects of MMA when you're in there or is it just like, hey, I'm, I'm in the zone type thing? Yeah, no, you definitely have to be always like firing on all cylinders from that perspective. Like you never want to forget that the guy can wrestle you because mm -hmm. you're going to look like a real boob. When yeah. you're on your back after, <laughs> yeah. you know, throwing some crazy spinning bullshit, mm -hmm. you know. So you always have to first and foremost understand where the guy can hurt you or win in that exchange. Mm -hmm. And then you can pick what to do selectively from the options that you have. Yeah, see, I, I just love speaking to TriStar fighters because I've been there so long myself. But we just the way you guys think and the way that for us has kind of um, trickled down that kind of notion of it's such a it's so scientific. Mm. You know, you've got so many great minds there to break down the fights with. I always came to you before my fights. I remember my last or yeah, I think my last for two fights ago, I showed you footage of the guy for about four seconds and you, you gave me like 10, 20 things that I should be doing that. Mm. And it's like, it's just a knowledge base. It's so high at TriStar. And is, does that come from a big gym or are we, spe are we really spoiled at TriStar? I think like that's where Fraz really shines. Okay, Obviously, yeah. he's mm -hmm. got a ton of tools, but Fraz to me has always been the guy who can like game plan effectively for mm -hmm. a specific opponent. So we're kind of wired to think that way because of our coach. But also, yeah, like you're in a room with, you know, five, six black belts every day. Yeah. And like striking, there's no belts, but you're in a room with great strikers yeah. every day. They're going to know stuff, you know, and, and that's one thing we have, especially before this pandemic, where like you could, Faraz could leave or not be there because he's cornering another guy. Right. But you could ask 10 people mm -hmm. in the room a question about a specific technique and you'd get good answers from every guy. 
which is amazing to me. Yeah, the fundamental trickle down is so mm. effective. You know, you could almost get amateur guys that just you can ask them questions yeah, because they've been taught by you. They've been taught by Eamon. Eamon teaches class. Yeah, Coach Neil teaches class. Coach Rob, Coach mm -hmm. Louis. There's so many good coaches, and essentially they're all there every day working with Faraz. So it's like at my wrestling club, the Montreal Wrestling Club. You know, I, I people would ask me, "Hey, can I get a private with Coach Victor or Coach Dave?" I said, "You literally just need to come to practice and paired up technical yes. with anybody else, and you're getting the same techniques." Exactly. Um, the fundamentals and then and then we talk about something else which is super important in martial arts and fighting and wrestling and every sport is being creative mm -hmm. with those fundamentals so having those fundamentals and then you know utilizing it to be creative and to say like oh this is my style and Victor our, our wrestling coach I was lucky too because my style was with speed and movement whereas at our club we're known for like a push-pull style a very mm -hmm. hand fight style and but Victor saw that my style was just moving and be creative so I think being creative in your sport is so important and I think the ability that you're able to do that is why you're you're really climbing the ranks fast right now. And that's um, super great to see because you're a creative guy. And I mean, look, if anybody comes to TriStar Gym, watches you in a sparring session or just watch any one of your fights, I mean, they're, they're technical masterpieces. They really are. They really are. And even I remember you had one fight where you end up choking the guy out. You kicked him in the head and he caught your kick. Yeah. And you end up behind him in a, in, in a full rear naked choke. Horrible. Are these things that you're <laughs> – but are these things that you're like ad-libbing on the spot or, or is it like – are the opportunities you see or is it, is it, again, is it come from creativity? What goes through your head when you're in a situation like that, where things go from there, they look like they're, they look like they're real bad and mm -hmm. then they get real good. I asked Arnold about this when he fought Mads Burnell. Yeah. He was in a real bad situation, but sometimes you have to pull up these crazy things. He was able to pull up a ninja choke on the cage. Yeah. What goes through your head when you're in a really bad situation like that in a fight and then you turn into a great one? Yeah. It's just like, you're kind of, you, you fought like the internal dialogue exists. Like you're not, you're not just, Self-talk, keeping yourself <laughs> You're in there. Just yeah. seeing red the whole time, like <laughs> I gotta kill this guy, you know. Like, so let's say in that fight where the guy caught my kick, uh, I was just like, "What's he gonna do? Take me down? That's fine." Mm -hmm. And then, uh, but I'm not gonna give it up. And then he pushed a little too hard, and I ended up on his back. And now I know he's thinking, "Oh my goodness, this is the like what the hell just happened? I just pulled a magic <laughs> trick on this guy." You know what I mean? So like. You have to think about what's happening mm -hmm. in the fight, kind of like uh, the mentality of each guy. Like, mm -hmm. you like that's a technique I've never practiced in a. Oh, I, I couldn't imagine you did. You, that's yeah. not a move. If you know? anybody knows, we're talking about Mandel. Literally kicks the guy in the head. The guy eats the kick, catches it, and then Mand with the, with Mandel standing on one leg and the guy holding your leg mm -hmm. up, you took his back. I, I don't even. Yeah. I, I, don't, even... I don't know. I don't know what that is. <laughs> yeah. You know, nobody taught me that. Mm -hmm. And same with the knee that I got uh, in my Carrington Banks that mm -hmm. fight. Uh, that that's a technique I've never thrown in a million years. A mm -hmm. step knee. I don't. Yeah, even... we're we're not even. Um, I mean, no secret, but we're not even in sparring. For us, would never let us lead with the knee. Definitely like he not. always preaches, guys, be careful. Don't hurt your opponent. If you have a guy hurt, let up. Mm -hmm. Nobody's throwing lead knees. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a. I, I've never so practiced it. So it was pads. opportunistic. Yeah, it's just you see it there. What I'm, mm -hmm. I know what I'm allowed to do in the fight. You just throw some out. Yeah. There. Yeah. I mean, I didn't get to the level you were at when I was fighting, but one time uh, I got a single leg and I lifted the guy up and I caught his arm and I threw him backwards. And again, at my wrestling club, my coach would have killed me if we were to practice exactly. that in the room. But in, exactly. the, in the opportunity, I had him upside down. I had a double leg standing and he hold my waist. So mm -hmm. I said, just trap the arm, throw him backwards. I've probably seen it before somewhere. Exactly. But it's not something that I would have ever, ever practiced. Mm -hmm. So I guess, yeah, being opportunistic. Because, again, you have 
But in your fights, Mandel, there's so many moments of brilliance that it's really, that's why I wanted to ask you, is it something that you're just opportunistic about? Is it being creative? And that's super interesting hearing you talk about it because, again, watching you spar, it's like, you know, right now you're, you're a reserved guy, you're a quiet guy, but man, when you spar, you shine. You know, you're one of those mm. guys I always said, if you, if you go into our gym, you're one of the guys that anybody who even doesn't know fighting can pick you out of a lineup just because of the spectacular things you're doing, the dominating performance. And again, you're not, like you, you talked about seeing red. I don't think you, you, have you ever in a fight, have you ever gotten angry in a fight where you saw red? No. Like, Never? <laughs> you know, like I, when I was an amateur, not being angry or anything, but just bad weight cuts. I remember being, oh, yeah. a, bit, <laughs> I was being a little bit woozy in there, but uh, mm-hmm. uh, no. Like, That's more never, of a fatigue issue. It's more of a... Yeah, you're just, you're just a drained. mess. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Same day weigh-ins and all that, mm-hmm. and you don't know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. I remember amateur days, <laughs> you, you make weight at like 3 p.m., yeah. fights at 8 and you're you in go, butt fuck nowhere. Who knows where you're fighting? Who knows the rules? I remember yeah. going to eat all you can eat sushi <laughs> directly after weighing in and then f- having a nap and then waking up and being like, oh my God. I got to fight I'm now. I'm supposed to fight a guy yeah. now? Like, uh, so outside of that, no. Like, every fight I've had, mm-hmm. I'm thinking, you walk out to the cage, you're thinking, oh, this is weird. Yeah. You look at the guy, you're thinking, oh man, he looks bigger than he did yesterday. Yeah. Or, yeah. He lo- or he looks like shit. Like, you know, whatever. The, the dialogue is still normal me mm-hmm. yeah you've talked about how bizarre it is to fight and mm-hmm. you know george gsp has talked about so many times how he actually is scared to fight and he mm-hmm. enjoys training he enjoys tra- uh, the the kind of grind of training much more than actual fight and fight week is that mm-hmm. something you find or because you've talked about that before you've, you've said often that like fighting is weird it's not it's something that weird. is normal to you or you yeah. find normal you still think it's weird after all these fights and the high level you've got to mm-hmm. yeah i remember <clears throat> the first uh fight i ever had garcia was on the same card uh, and I was nervous as I as that I challenge MMA. It was slam. Oh, slam! Okay. Yeah. And uh, Garcia was just having a ball in <laughs> the back, and I'm like, man, this guy is nuts. Like, yeah. Doesn't he know what's about to happen out there? Um, but you know, everybody's different. Yeah, Alex Garcia, the Dominican nightmare. Yeah. 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 Well, but whatever works for the guy. You know, there's some guys who get nervous, there's some guys who don't. George, best fighter of all time, got very nervous, petrified. Yeah. You know, yeah. and there are guys who do very well, no nerves at all. Mm-hmm. So. It all depends on what you uh, what you do with the nerves. I think uh, over time, obviously, you've, I've learned to control them yeah. better. And consistency is key. The more you do it, yeah, the, the more, more you, you exactly. yeah, the more you control it. Yeah. But uh, it's it's not like I'm not I'm not out there being like shaking in my boots. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh my, like you know what's up. Like, yeah. Some bad could happen, but mm-hmm. chances are you'll be fine. Yeah, I mean, uh, look at the. the the real percentage of deaths in MMA is low and, and low. serious injuries is also low. Yeah. And there is still a ref in there. There's still a commission there. I mean, look, there's growing pains that go on. We're trying to learn in this sport. We're trying to regulate things. And you hear people talk about uh, some rules and being able to knee on downed opponents. And mm-hmm. how do you, is there any rule right now? That's an interesting topic too with someone like you so knowledgeable. Are there any rules right now that you would change? Do you look out in Asia and you say, hey, maybe you should be able to knee a grounded opponent? Um what are the rules right now that you could think of? Maybe the twelve to the twelve to six elbow, mm-hmm. or maybe the, the the times of the rounds, or is there something? Is there something that you think maybe amateur boxing? You know, they had like a scoreboard. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe looking at the scoring would be interesting. It changes so much. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that like I don't care. You know, like mm-hmm. kneeing a downed opponent it totally changes the sport. I think it makes it less palatable to a Western audience for sure. Yeah, so yeah, that's, yeah. There's an obvious reason not to do that. Now, if you're talking about purity and all this stuff, obviously a fight. It's a fight. Is a fight. Mm-hmm. So, like, I think there's totally groin strikes fight. too in a fight. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, like, there are certain things that we have to 
understand why they exist. You know what I mean? Like groin strikes obviously can't exist mm-hmm. if you're trying to promote a cool sport. Yeah. You know, you're not, yeah. Your world champion can't be the best at kneeing people in the balls. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, but I think may, maybe something to do with the scoring yeah. would be interesting. I watched the fight. Eddie Alvarez fought a Korean guy. In Asia. Yeah, the one championship. Name is yeah. Hawk. Mm-hmm. I don't know the rest. I forget the rest of his name. But that fight was SIG. And in a Western scoring system, Eddie would win that fight. But Eddie was dropped in the first round, and the next two rounds were close. And they judged the fight on a hole. So the Korean guy won the fight. Oh, they in one championship, they judged the fight yes, on a hole? I didn't fight, know that. Okay. Fight on a hole. Uh, and I thought that was cool. You know what I mean? Mm. But if you're not prepared for that, yeah, then like, you know, there is a, a real tactic of going a close 10-9, shooting a takedown, scoring a takedown, and you win the 10-9. Securing the round. Exactly. Mm. But but that doesn't exist out there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that would change the way things go. But really, it doesn't matter because you're going to fight within the rules. You have so, to adapt the rules. Exactly. exactly. Yeah, you did jiu-jitsu tournaments. You've done some amateur fights. Exactly. There's a different rule set. The rules are there for a reason. It's not. Nobody should be asking to change the rules. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, better training for refs and judges. That's it. Like, yeah, I think I think so too. You see, like I tell, I, I coach a lot of the amateur guys now that I'm more on my way out, transitioning in my way as a coach. Mm-hmm. It's fun, but one thing I tell them, and you kind of talked about this too. You talked to me about this. I asked you your last sparring because I was so uh, astound, astonished by how well you perform your last sparring, mm-hmm. and then it showed in your fight. That was awesome, guys. Go watch his last fight, an amazing fight. Um, your last Bellator show, showcase. Um. But one thing you said to me was you do think about the judges sometimes when mm-hmm. you're out there. You think about, um, you know, because I said, were you like, were you more countering today? Were you more offensive today? Because you had it all. And it was mm-hmm. one of those days where things were just, in, you know, you were in the zone. Mm-hmm. You were in flow right there. Um, Chiksa Mahali talks about the flow state. And you were in that state. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, you talked about, elaborate on that a little bit. You talked about, you do think about the judges sometimes. Is well, that the part of your style? Look, the difference between a win and a loss in MMA is huge. It cannot mm-hmm. be overstated. Kind of you know subjective I mean? too. It totally. Mm-hmm. Sub- if it mm-hmm. goes to a decision, one hundred percent. Right. Like obviously, if it's a, if there's a clear cut winner, uh, it's still huge. Like that winner makes double the money. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So like, so many things at stake. Their career goes up. The other guys goes down. Like there's a huge amount of discrepancy between a win and a loss in MMA. Fans don't give a shit about <laughs> the guy that lost. You know what I mean? <laughs> I was talking about it earlier today. If George w- lost any one of the fights towards the end of his career, mm-hmm. fans, 100% of fans would have just been like, he wasn't as good as people said he was. Right. He's, you know, he was just overachieving. The guys he fought weren't that good. Like, there are a million reasons why a win is the only way forward in, mm-hmm. in, in a fight. Like, fans don't understand that you're still just as good whether you lost or won. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when you break it down and put it into a decision, you like you have to put a lot of stock into what happened in every round. You can't you can't be down a round and take your foot off the gas. You mm-hmm. have you have to push in that second round because if you're down two rounds and now you got to knock the guy out, the That's other right. guy knows it if he's not an idiot. So maybe he just kind of skunks you and he just lays on you or lets you lay on him. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter if you laid on him in top guard for five minutes. He won two rounds. You know what I mean? You have to think about rounds. So in a sparring session, were you thinking about each round uh, in an individual fight? Or were you thinking of, hey, I have to get the better of them. Uh, I want to I win this. Like towards the, towards the end of a camp, right? Like you're two weeks out from a fight or one week out from a fight. You, I, I tend to think about rounds in, like individually, individually as far as they go. Like, so I'm going to do three rounds today. I want to win each round. 
or if I lost the first, I better win the next two. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm thinking about my three rounds as a fight. Um, you know, obviously you want to go out there and win every round, but if you're experimenting or you're doing, let's say you do six rounds in a day, it doesn't really matter. You know what I mean? But towards the, towards the end of a camp, you want to be thinking about, okay, I'm doing three rounds. I got to win these rounds. So the creativity you talked about earlier really comes from kind of when you're out of camp, seeing what works and working on some new things, or are you still trying to be creative it's during just the whole time, the whole time? You yeah. know, it's part of who you are, I guess yeah. at this point. Exactly. Like you see something, you take it. Mm, I, I don't watch a ton of fights, but I watch a lot of good fights mm -hmm. and there are so many good fighters out there that you can just steal stuff from. And so many different arts too. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So you could, you could steal a wrestling technique, a striking technique, a jujitsu technique, mm -hmm. you know, evolve it or just like pull it into your game and uh you got a new thing yeah it's and it's funny too you just talked about jiu-jitsu it just reminded me we want to say congratulations on the black belt because you got yeah. it pretty recently and like yeah. it's interesting that you started with jiu-jitsu so that was like i started you know, with japanese jiu-jitsu japanese so now we're talking yeah. about 15 16 years Long ago and, and here you are uh finally a black belt so that guys don't give up out there even if you're just going for that jiu-jitsu belt hey it takes time you know it's not something yeah, that yeah like it shouldn't be about belts ever mm -hmm. you know no you don't think so huh no mm -hmm. like what what is that really? Uh, especially in martial arts, like a world title is different. I can see I can see guys like winning a world title and being like, "All right, achievement unlocked. Sort I'm of done with this." Changes game. your life too. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but, but it should be about the journey, right? Martial, like in martial <laughs> arts, if you committed as much time as getting a black belt, that's kind of like you better commit your whole life to that. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Why why would you just complete that? And be exactly. Done. Yeah, it makes yeah. no sense to me, but whatever. So, what do you what do you think right now? You're you're obviously a Bellator fighter. Bellator is uh, one of the big ones out there, one of the big two or three. Mm -hmm. You know, you have UFC. We talked about one championship. Uh, PFL seems to be making a nice name for itself. We've yeah, got yeah, Olivier yeah. and Rory McDonald fighting on that in that league. Um, what do you think about the B, the Bellator landscape right now? Talk a bit about the champ is Patricky Freire. Yes. Um, let's talk about a bit about that landscape and how you see yourself. Because, I mean, look, we all know, anybody who is anybody knows that you have the ability to be the number one in any league. Mm -hmm. But how do you see specifically the Bellator landscape right now at the lightweight division? Yeah, it's good. I mean... It is very good. It's very competitive. Like, I've always said, as long as you're fighting guys in a cage and making money for it, then you can't really complain. Like, mm -hmm. I know there it's a lot of guys' dreams to fight in the UFC or whatever. Bellator. Bellator. But uh, to me, it doesn't matter. I mean, Bellator's great. Uh, they have good fighters. You know, their number one lightweight beat the guy who's fighting for the UFC lightweight title this weekend. Mm -hmm. So it's not its not like there's a huge discrepancy of skill. Um, so, yeah, you know, get a couple get a couple more good wins, and then we'll see what happens. So, you, But you said watching fights. Do you watch uh, Freire's fight, the yeah, Bellator yeah, champion? Yeah. He's yeah. really good. Really good, yeah. He, he fought the same night I fought last mm -hmm. and he guillotined uh emmanuel uh yeah, sanchez yeah, yeah. who's a monster yeah. that guy's amazing fighter mm -hmm. so yeah i think i look i mean i maybe i'm biased there but i definitely think you match up well against him and anybody else i think you know with the reach the length obviously the striking ability i think he would try to make it a dog fight with you mm -hmm. but um i really think that's something you do well uh, and before you go you were just talked about that the champ of uh, bellator who's now fighting for a title in the ufc what mm -hmm. do you what's your prediction on uh Oliveira and Michael Chandler. It's hard to predict. You know, that's a sick fight. They're both amazing. I think they're deserving. I, yeah, of course. Mm -hmm. Like anybody saying that Chandler oh, fought once in the UFC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just got, like that's trash. The guy's got a crazy career. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, he's fought great people. It's not like 
Bellator is some B league. Like he's fought the best. You know what I mean? Especially at lightweight, man. Exactly. Like they've been promoting their lightweights and welterweights and heavyweight, light heavyweight division for so long. Mm -hmm. Their their bantamweights are crazy. Now they're coming. They're yeah. Crazy. Now now they're really really strong. <laughs> really really strong bantamweights. Um, yeah. So you know like, uh, I don't know. I think I would maybe lean a little bit towards Oliveira, mm -hmm. just because of the shape he's looked. How could you see it going? Uh, I think maybe like a third third round TKO or Whoa. something. Like Oliveira's got a lot of nasty stuff off his back, but Chandler neutralizes guys off you know on top yeah. well. So you never know. I think I'm gonna have to go with uh, Chandler on this one. I'm I'm just biased towards the wrestler. I just but I I do see a lot of areas where Chandler could get um because <clears throat> but again you've said he's fought killers and he's fought so long you know he had the perennial nerve issue which mm. you kind of had mm -hmm. he had um he had a knockout to Patricky. Or yeah, he got, he, you know, they <clears throat> both lost enough yeah. times. So it's just the shape they're in currently. Like yeah. they're, they're both on a run. So whoever's run is stronger. Interesting stuff. Yeah. yeah, that should be an interesting fight. Mandela, look, uh, again, I just want to thank you for doing this, man. It uh, <clears throat> means a lot to me. It's special for the Boom Boom Show. Uh, guys, that's Mandel Nalo. Uh, if you want to follow him, he's not very active on social media, but you might catch him here and there. You can DM <clears throat> me. I promise you I'll DM you back unless you're weird. You know, <laughs> unless you do something weird. Send him a you-know-what pick or something. Yeah, get exactly. his attention. I'll, pro I'll probably block yeah. him. In. But if you're normal, you know, I'll, I'll Guys, this is, one, this is one of the most, uh, you know, stand-up guys, one of the most down-to-earth guys, and we thank him very much. Guys, again, comment on the channel, like, subscribe. Uh, we don't, you know, push you guys to do that too much, but if you can, it really helps. And uh, I'm the bee's knees. I'm the cat's pajamas. That's uh, Mandel Nalo, and that's the Boom Show, guys. Thanks, Mandel. No problem. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Peace, guys.